Good morning. How is everyone today? You looking good this morning? Sounded good. And the worship of our Lord has been done today. And as we go into his word, I pray that we're bringing that same spirit of submission to God today. Because we know that his word is where our faith grows. Let the church say amen to that. John is where we're going to be continuing out of this morning. And if you'll go ahead and turn over there to John chapter 12, that's that's where we're going to be continuing on this morning after uh, a good study last week on the death of Lazarus, but also of the resurrection of Lazarus and the magnificent showing of the power of our Lord. Our, our, our Savior is powerful, amen? He is, a, he is a God who's able to do all things, and today we celebrate that, and we continue with that idea of, of what it means to believe and to live. What a blessing it is today to hear these words. John chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was. I like that, don't you? Where he was. And he came there, and so they they gave a dinner for them there. And Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at a table. And Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, I pray today that that our worship and our attentiveness to your word today will be given priority. And God, that this, this is the most important thing we can be doing this morning is, is worshiping and getting into your word. God, God forgive us if, we, if we're here for any other reason. Lord, I pray that you would straighten us and put us in the right path. That God, when we leave this place, we don't leave just as people who went to church, but God, we, we leave as people who went to church. That, God, we came to, to worship you and you spoke to our heart. And, God, I prayed you would send us from this place, a church that is on fire for you in your most holy name. Amen. The story of, 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 the, of Mary and that ointment that she placed upon her Savior, that's, it's an interesting story when you think about it. Um, one of my favorite colognes in the whole world, my wife, she's bought it for me for 22 years now. <laughs> that sounds like a long time, doesn't it? Uh, Aqua de Joe. I know it's, it's only French, I know, okay? I don't even know what it means. Water of Joe, I guess. That's what it means. That's, that's the only thing I can think it means. But, but uh, you know, when you think about that, she took this expensive ointment, this expensive perfume, and just, in a lot of people's minds, just wasted it, you know? Um, she kind of wasted it like a teenage boy in Axe body spray. You know, she just overdid it. That's what she did in some people's minds. But we know that the Savior had a very different opinion of what she did that day. Not because of the amount of ointment she used, but because of the intent of her heart. And church, I have to tell you today that what's important is, 
What's important is that we know that Christ knows our hearts. And so everything that we do, do should be from a heart that is, that is true. Because I think we all today can say, you know what? Jesus is true. Amen. Jesus is, is true to his word. Jesus is, he, he stood by us all along. Jesus' word is good. So may we also live in, in like manner. May we come to this house every single Sunday, every time that we're here and we put our full worship into it because it's not about who's on stage. It's not about music styles. You know what it's about? It's about lifting Jesus up. And if we come to this house and we've, we've failed to lift Jesus up because of any other reason, that's on us. Christ knows our hearts today. He knows what's going on right here. And, and I pray to God that our hearts are set upon Him. That He's the God of our salvation and we know it. We don't just say it. We don't just say, well, I've been a Baptist my whole life and so that's why I come to church. No, you come to church to lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why we're here. And Mary that day, she, she does this not because it was showy, not because it was provocative as some would say. She did it because her heart was totally in tune with the fact that Jesus is Lord. Now Mary took that pound of ointment. I want you to think about that, a, pi- a pound. It's called spikenard. That's a really fancy name for, for a, a cologne, I suppose. I'm really surprised that they don't sell spikenard at Mardell, but they don't. I've looked. It's very costly. It's, it's not something you just go out here and just, oh, I'm going to buy, you know, like some olive oil or some, you know, uh, some Crisco or whatever. It's not like that. I mean, it was a very expensive ointment. And it says that she anointed the feet of Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair. The other accounts also say that she anointed Jesus's head. We might say, well, that's like an inconsistency in scripture. Really, it's just different people from different vantage points. Maybe John was down here and all he could see was the feet. Matthew and Mark, they're looking at it and they can see the head. But, but you get this entirety. When you read the Gospels, the, the synoptic Gospels, they all come together with the same story. And this woman, she takes this, this beautiful ointment, this sweet-smelling, fragrant ointment, and she, she anoints Jesus' entire body is what we really know from all the Gospels. She, she spills a little bit on the floor and she, she has to wipe some of it up with her hair. I mean, she didn't want to waste any bit of it. And the entire house, it says, was filled with this odor. We think about worship today. When you think about worship in your minds, when you come into this place, is this house filled with that odor of worship? I know, man. Sometimes we're like, I'm tired, Daniel. You know, I'm tired. I just want to sit here and just let someone sing to me. That's not what worship is. Worship is about giving your heart to Jesus, that, that this place ought to be loud, and it is. And when you guys were singing, holy, 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 I felt like I was in the throne room of God because that's what we're going to be singing for all eternity. That holy, holy, holy that I heard sung in this place today was from our hearts, and it should always be that way. Not because of who's sitting next to us or anything like that, but it's because Jesus is the one we're singing to. Our lives ought to have a sweet, fragrant, fragrant, (laughs) fragrant smell of the Spirit of God upon us. People ought to know that. They ought to know who we are. They ought to know what what we stand for. They ought to know that there is a God in heaven, and he's redeemed us. 
And at some point during this meal, that, that thing happens. You know, it's, it's strange. Um, you know, I, I don't know what you guys, but when you eat, you just kind of have a, there's, there's like a, there's an order to your meal, right? Now, most of us, we eat dessert last. We probably should eat it first because I, I'm a dessert fan. I like pie. I like cake. I like dessert. Sometimes I just want to eat dessert. That's all I want. But, but the thing is, is most of us, we have this, this, this order to our meal, right? If you go to a fancy restaurant, I'm sure all of us in here all eat seven course meals every meal. I know you do because we're rich Baptists and that's what we do, right? You have a seven course meal. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever actually been except on a cruise where they had seven course meals. You know, they brought, they brought out this, you know, they brought out some oxtail. I ate it. I didn't know what it was till I figured out it was actually oxtail. That's what it is. I just thought it was some, some fancy name. I don't know. But they, they bring out all these different courses of meals to you, right? There's an order to it. And, and this would have been how it was for them. They had an order to their meals, but somewhere along the way, Mary comes and anoints Jesus. And the entire place knew about it. Everyone knew what was going on. The, the gospel writers had different vantage points to what was going on, but they all knew what had happened, even old Judas Iscariot. Now, Judas, it says here that he was a what? A thief. Like, oh, John, he just cuts starts to the chase, you know? He's like, well, he was asking Jesus not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He just cut it straight to him. He said, this is, this is who this guy was. He didn't really care about the poor. The only thing he cared about was himself. Contrast that to who Mary is. Mary's given the most expensive thing she has to who? To Jesus. And she doesn't really care one bit about the loss of money. And it's interesting because when you're reading through that, it, 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 there's, there's, some, there's some interesting Greek words that I think we need to pay attention to. That it's not like, you know, last chapter, Lazarus was raised from the dead and now we're kind of talking about something different. No, there, there's actually... There's actually a Greek word there, and the word is un. Everybody say un. I know a little bit of Greek. I know what I've uh, been able to uh, obtain from spending a lot of money at seminary. That's about what I know, okay? But that word un is like significant because it's not like, and then this happened. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead, and then this happened. But ch- catch this. The word un actually means Therefore. That's significance because here Lazarus is raised from the dead and therefore Mary put the perfume on Jesus. Therefore, why? Because of the resurrection of her her loved one. Then she anoints Jesus' body. Super significant because I think that affects how we worship Jesus. Because Jesus saved me, therefore when I come to church, I sing praises to him. Because, because Jesus saved me, because I've been resurrected from my sin, because I'm walking in a new light now, how I live my life matters. How, how I spend my time, how I speak to people, it all matters. That, that act of spiritual worship is affected because of, therefore, un, what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. You know, we don't have, we don't have a reason to to have a bad day. My dad told me one time, we were on the mission field. And um, I don't know if y'all know this, but church people can be difficult at times. You ever experienced that before? 
Sometimes church people like to gripe, you know? I, I like it. Sometimes I'll dress up. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm dressed up, but sometimes I'll dress up and people are like, man, you look like a preacher today. Well, thank you, sister, brother, whoever. I appreciate that. You know, it's kind of like when someone walks up to you and they say, man, you look rough today. Well, thank you. You know, I appreciate that. You look pharisaical today. How's that? But because of what Jesus has done, it affected what she did in the presence. Church, that's big. Because of what Jesus has done for you and I today, it ought to change everything we do about church. It ought to change everything. We've had a couple like God moments this week in our ministry. Um, we had some like kind of doors shut for ministry opportunities within our community, we thought. And we didn't know what to do, but we just prayed about it for several months. This past week, I saw two open doors that didn't happen because of your pastor, because of our church, because of anything else. It happened because Jesus has a plan. Because of him, therefore, we're going to see God do some great stuff, I believe, in those ministries. Mary experienced it. And I believe the call of scripture today is, church, hear this. God wants you to experience it too. Do you know Jesus? Have you, have you experienced what it means to be saved? If we have, I, I believe it's something that we need to contemplate today and to understand that if we know this now, therefore we need to live in a specific way. The, the time of being, you know, uh, kind of this, this lukewarm Christian, that's over. Don't just be a Sunday morning Christian. Now some of you are like, man, don't make me feel uncomfortable today. Don't just pray when you're at church or read your Bible when you're at church. You know, one thing I have to do, I have to push myself. And I know this may sound bad, but some days I have to push myself to read the Bible just for Daniel and not for Sunday morning. I have to take time in my life to do that. That my evangelism life, my, my, uh, my work towards advancing the gospel isn't just by preaching on Sunday mornings, but I need to be doing it through the week too. You know, Linda, like when I'm standing out here on the street corner and I get bit by a, a hornet on my arm, <laughs> Which, by the way, that smarts. I'd never been bit by a hornet before. But life happens, but that doesn't mean that, that we should allow that to affect what God is doing through us. Therefore, because of what Christ has done, we should live life anew. And guys, here's the thing. That's exactly what Mary did. She did not care. There's so much, so much that she gave to Jesus that it literally drips on the floor. Mary, she doesn't even think anything. She, she takes her hair down, which was like not a, it's not something you did back then. Their hair would have been put up and all that. It says that she loosens her hair and she gets to the floor and she starts wiping that up with her hair. Oh, don't you do that. That's not what you do. You know, I think I saw like three people lift their hands and spin around today. We can't do that. We're Baptists. You know, that's a kid's song. Jesse, why are you singing kid's songs? You know, we're singing those songs because those are praises to God. And I know not everybody worships by raising their hands and spinning around. That's not the point. But I think our, our worship in, in all kinds of ways should reflect what Jesus has done. Her worship to Jesus that day reflected that her Savior had raised her, her loved one from the grave. That's exactly what happens here. It's interesting because, I mean, you know, you've got all these stories and then all of a sudden you've got a story about Jesus and his disciples and they're eating. And then she spills, spills cologne all over her Savior. 
And people had a problem with her worship. People had a problem with how she worshiped Jesus. That's a shame that believers should have a problem with how somebody else worships Jesus. If they're coming with a pure heart, then we ought to let them come with a pure heart. Amen. That, that if you're a, you know, youth ministry is very different than, you know, senior adult ministry. Senior adult ministry is very different than pre-K ministry. But through all of it, Christ is lifted up, is he not? Well, what's going on in our nursery this morning is very different than what's going on in here. There's, there's, um, there's sleeping babies in there and there's sleeping babies in, okay, never mind. There's not a lot different. There's sleeping people all over the place, right? But what I want you to understand is that our worship should come from our heart. It should be like what Mary had, that, that we don't care what people around us think. The, the people around her, they looked at her and they thought, why would you take this, this expensive gift and excessively use it? I mean, I think most people probably wouldn't have cared if she just would have kind of anointed Jesus. But no, I mean, she like doused Jesus. I mean, we're not talking about just a little bit. It's like, you know, 12 ounces, sure, but 12 ounces of an expensive ointment, it's going to go a long ways, you know? Which back to the whole Axe body spray, if anybody in here uses that, it just takes like a little bit. You don't need the whole can on you every time you use it. If you go to Falls Creek, that's all you smell is Axe body spray. It's like the scent of Falls Creek. It's a holy scent, I suppose. But it didn't matter to her. This expensive oil, it didn't matter if it was a large amount or small amount. She gave it all. And here's what's really cool. She gave it all because she didn't need it for her, her loved one anymore because he had raised from the dead by the power of Jesus. What she had bought for death, she took and she used it to glory her God, to lift up her God. It's beautiful. We build up a lot of stuff, I think, in our lives sometimes just to, you know, to worry about what's, what's going to come. We think, well, I need to you know, save up and I need to do this. And we need to save money. Don't, uh, don't get me wrong. This is not what I'm saying today. But I think a lot of times we build up earthly possessions in case something bad happens. And the reason is because we've forgotten that the good's already happened and Jesus is coming back. So we don't need all this stuff. We don't need to have all this stuff going on in our lives. We just need to, to offer a sweet sacrifice to our Lord, to love him wholeheartedly. People that day, they thought, hey, you know what? She's, she's unbecoming. She's vulgar. She's embarrassing. And everyone thought that except who? Jesus didn't care. And the reason is because Jesus saw her heart. It was unconventional, sure. You know, and here, here the thief, Judas, he's saying, you know, we could have used that to feed a bunch of poor people. But he really, he just said that. And it's interesting that it points that out. He just said we could feed poor people, but he didn't really mean it. When it comes to ministry within the church, we can say, well, we could do that with this money. If it's reaching people, that's what we need to be doing with it. We, we send money to, um, you know, the missions all around the world. We have, we have all these missions offering. Last week, you know, we sent money to, you know, the, to the, the general, our convention here in the state to help people, uh, the, the Baptist children's homes and things like that, you know, all that, that, that we sent out. That's, that, that goes to there for the, the, the homes to help people, not just to, to give them a place to live, our, our young kids and our older people in the state. It doesn't just give them a place to live, but it also gives them the opportunity to hear the gospel in the hard times of their life. That's why we give that money. 
But even bigger than that, we give it because we want to see God glorified. But it's more than that. It's, it's with our lives too. How much, how much of your day do you give to Jesus? How much, how much of your time goes to Jesus? My phone every week, it tells me like how much I've spent on my phone. You know, and it's kind of sad because like every week it says you spent, you know, 10% more time on your phone this week. And I'm like, what? I didn't think it was possible. How can I spend more time? Some weeks I'm good and it says you spent, you know, 1% less time. And I'm really proud of myself. I'm like, I spent 1% less time on my phone this week. But when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to, to following our heart after our Christ, we need to give it all. At the few moments a day that we may be spending in prayer and maybe reading a quick scripture and just going out the door, that's not enough. We need to be spending more and more time with our Savior, giving more and more of our time to Jesus. Jesus understood her worship. And guys, I want you to understand, he understood her motives and he doesn't chide her. He doesn't agree with Judas, one of his elite people his elite men within his group. No, he looks at the woman who comes with a beautiful gift and a pure heart, and he says, I'm impressed by this, and he loves her for it. He's grateful for it. Church, I want you to understand today that when we come to God with a pure heart, and we say, God, we just want to worship you. We just want to live for you. That's what he wants. One thing I pray every Sunday morning is that, God, I pray that you would help me to step out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts. It's not about Daniel. It's not about our church even. It's about Jesus being lifted up. And why is that? Well, it's because we believe. I, I would say probably on this Sunday morning, most of us in here believe in Jesus, right? There's a lot of us in here that I'm sure have known Jesus for a long time. And it, it really makes me think because at the end of chapter 12 here, we see where Jesus talks a little bit about this idea of belief. What, what does it mean to believe? And why did Jesus come into the world to begin with? Why, why did Jesus come? Did he come to get expensive ointments poured on his body? Did he come to eat meals reclining at a table? Did he come that people might just think a whole lot about him? No, he came because he wanted to save the world. The reason Jesus came was for that reason and that reason alone. Look at verse 44. It says, Jesus cried out and he says this, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will Judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment and what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. That's a good little word to underline there. God's commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So what is belief? Jesus is talking about belief and unbelief. If you believe, then this is going to happen. If you, un if you unbelieve, <laughs> if you don't believe, then this is going to happen, right? Belief and unbelief. Where are we at today? I've heard it said that a lot of our churches in America today are filled with a bunch of unbelievers that say they're believers. 
but they don't believe. How sad. To think that we have this amazing, gracious king who loves us and gave his life for us, and yet we have a problem believing Jesus and what he says. The Matthew 28 mandate, it's not a, you know, it's not a recommendation. It's a great commandment, right? Jesus told his disciples to go into the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's a commandment. That's what we are commanded to do. I see a lot in the church today, they just want to coexist with every other mindset in America today. We were driving yesterday and somebody had an Oklahoma tag. And it said, I had to think about it for a moment. It's like C-O-3-X-I-S-T. That was the name of the tag, right? Coexist. And I was like, well, how clever. They used a three instead of an E because somebody else already used the E and coexist. So they just turned a three around. Oh, it's a backwards E. And it looked very, like a, very much like a kindergarten handwriting contest or something. But coexist. And I'm like, it kind of, it, it's kind of just like to me, one of those things where, well, of course we coexist with people. I don't hate Muslims. I don't hate Buddhists, right? I don't hate people who, who like the University of Texas. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hate those people. I coexist with them. But there's a whole lot of people, including atheists in the world today, they hate a God they don't even believe in. And yeah, I coexist with these people. I love them. But the only reason I love them is not because of some supernatural human ability I have. The reason I love them is because Jesus loves them. That's why. And that only comes from believing in God. And I have to say, the first point I would say this morning is that belief is of God. It's of God. I'm not preaching up here today by my own power. My belief system in God My salvation is not anything I've done. It's something that God has done. In Hebrews 11, 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Belief is not something we even come up with. Belief comes by having this thing called faith. And where does faith come from? Hearing the word of God. That's where our faith comes from. So belief in and of itself is even from God, that what he's done because of his word, he grows our faith. We see things that how we need to see them because he, he, he does that work in us. Now we're able to believe. And so belief is a thing that's of God. If we believe, then we're going to be at rest. How many of you guys feel restful today in your, in your life situation, even though it's kind of crazy? And the reason is probably because you know, Jesus, right? I, I think about my life. Um, Mom, it seems like sometimes I should still be like 21 years old, you know? (laughs) I should still be 18 years old. Or 12. I mean, those years don't seem that long ago, but they were. (laughs) It's it's really, years have really run by, you know? And I look at myself now, and I'm like, I'm 45, and life is going by way too quick. Going by way too fast. But no matter what comes my way, no matter what my family goes through, no matter what you, my church family goes through, our belief in God will sustain us. It's, it's, and it's something that God has given us to draw us together. It's something God has given us to sustain us to the end. And so we have to get past the point, when we're looking at Jesus and his example here, we have to get past the point that we think that, well, belief is something I've done. 
You know, believe something that I've done because I've, I've been a Christian for so long, or I've went to church for so long, or I've given money for so long, or I've sang praise for so long. Belief is something that God has done for you. It's not something you've done for yourself. So when we look at that, you know, even there, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but him who sent me. And some people say, well, what does he mean not in me, but in, in God? What he's saying is like, he's talking to specific people and he's saying, I'm not here so that you just believe that I'm some guy. I'm here so that you believe that I'm God. Because remember the whole Trinity thing, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, three who's, one what's. That Jesus work here, sure, he was God in flesh, but he was also God too, right? Three persons, but, but, but God is one. And he's telling them there, he's like, I don't want you just to believe in some political movement. That, that what Jesus was doing was not a political movement. It wasn't just something that we see like right here through blinders, but rather what Jesus was doing was something that had been conceived from eternity past and is known through eternity future. The idea that Jesus came to redeem mankind from our sin. Why is that? Well, it's because he loves us, right? We talked about that last week. Who loves us? No, it's not Joe Cooper. Don't say that. Who loves you, Oklahoma, right? Every time I go by a Joe Cooper dealership, I always go, who loves you, Oklahoma? I go by David Stanley and I sing, David Stanley leads the way, right? When we live our lives, what we ought to be saying is Jesus loves me. (laughs) That's what we ought to be living in. That's the truth of the matter, right? That Jesus loves me. And because of his love for me, he gives us his word so that what? We can have faith and through our faith, we can believe because that belief is something God has done for us. Second thing I would say is that belief opens our eyes. I think one thing that we can know as Christians is that we see that Jesus is right, that he's true, amen? It's not, this is not like a weird sermon to be preaching to a bunch of believers in Jesus Christ. Hey, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is God. Everybody here is like, amen, amen. And it's good reminders for us. It's good to know this today. But what we need to understand is that we are a blessed people if we can see in scripture what God has promised his believers. If what we are studying today makes sense to us, then that's something God has done because he's opened our eyes and belief opens our eyes. And that makes me feel good, sure. But it also makes me feel sad for people who don't see, for people who don't know. My travels this weekend, I saw a lot of people who I believe were lost. And the reason I say it is because their, their fruit showed it in public. They didn't. They didn't know Jesus. My heart hurts for them because I can see like the bad road they're going down, but they don't see that. They're, they're just trying to seek happiness in this world. They're trying to do what, what seems right. But the belief that we have that's from God, it opens our eyes to where we can see the truth. Helen Keller once said that the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but has no vision. Someone who has sight but has no vision. That's really speaking to all mankind that's not following Jesus. They have the ability to know. They have, they have this, uh, this ability to, to hear the truth, to, to honor God, but they decide not to. There is no vision. Scripture teaches us that where the people have no vision, what happens? They perish. They perish, that that goes away, that, that they become a people who perish. 
Ephesians 6, 5, we're told, and this is one of those verses where people are like, well, the Apostle Paul, he's saying that slavery is okay. No, he's talking to people who are slaves and how to be a Christian who is a slave, right? And he tells them in Ephesians, he says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, okay? He's telling them this. This is how you should live your life. Honestly, bond servant was a very much different thing than what we know as modern slavery, but that's to the side here. I mean, honestly, any of us in here, whatever you do, if you're a doctor, a teacher, or, you know, you're retired, you could insert it where it says bond servants. Obey your earthly masters for fear, with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond service of Christ. Doing the will of God from the hearts. How should we serve Jesus today? Not from the sleeve. Right? It's not from the pocket, from the hearts. It's not from your own might. It's not from your biceps. Right? It's not from your glutes. <laughs> it's from, some people, that's how they serve Jesus. You need to be serving Jesus from your hearts. Mary did what? Did she serve how? From her heart. Nobody else understood it, but Jesus understood it because he could see her heart. And he could say, that's all right. Y'all leave her alone. She's doing what, what she needs to be doing. She's serving from her heart. And that comes from knowing Jesus. That belief is from God and that belief opens our eyes. There was some point in Mary's life where she saw who Jesus was and her eyes, her eyes were open. Like she could see exactly what was going on. She could see my, 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 my loved one, he's, he's alive. He's not dead. He's not stinking in a tomb somewhere. I don't need this stuff. I'm gonna give it to the one who made all this possible. That was a pure heart. Jesus, I'm going to do that for you. Belief opens our eyes today. And I pray today that we're people who open our eyes. Church, open your eyes. <laughs> Look around you. Look around all that God is doing. Don't be a people who just sit there like a hard egg. And you just sit there. C.S. Lewis, speaking of eggs, he says it may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while still being an egg. Makes sense, right? We are like eggs at present. He's talking about, you know, this group of Christians. We are like eggs at present. And you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. We may be hatched or we'll go bad. Church, this is a call to you and I today. When we look at this, this story of Mary in Scripture and this declaration of Jesus as to who he is, that we don't need to just stay eggs the rest of our life. We got a lot of hard-boiled eggs in our church that need to open up and fly for Jesus. An egg's good, but it only lasts for breakfast. Miss Sanja, she brings me eggs every couple weeks, and I eat them, Miss Sanja. I eat about two eggs a day. I love them. Sometimes the doctors tell me they're good for me and sometimes they tell me they're bad. I'm just going to eat them and hopefully I'll meet halfway. They'll be kind of good for me, I guess. But this, it's time that the church quit being these hard-boiled eggs. These, these eggs are just set there because it's true. An egg's either going to hatch or it's going to go bad. There's, there's no other options. I guess you could say an egg could be used too. But, but you get the point here that it's either going to be useful or it's going to rot. You ever smell the rotted egg? Years and years ago, I remember mowing the grass at the church that I went to, and we'd had an Easter egg hunt the week before. 
This was back in the days when we would hunt eggs during Easter. We didn't buy the plastic ones and put, you know, candy in there. We actually had eggs. And someone didn't cook the egg thoroughly or so anyways, I was driving through there on the lawnmower and I hit an egg and it just went everywhere and all up in my nose and it just smelled terrible. <laughs> a rotted egg, right? I don't think we want to have that story for our lives because here's the thing, we don't have to have that story. Jesus has called us to be more than conquerors through him. Are we hearing that call today? And if we are, we should have our eyes opened. Yesterday, uh, we were going to go to Oklahoma City and just kind of shop, probably go to Sam's or Lowe's or something like that. We ended up just driving. We just kept driving. Just keep driving. And we just kept on going. We ended up at Red Rock State Park. Beautiful. I didn't know that existed. I mean, you're driving. If you've ever been out in that world around Hinton, it's just like flat, you know. Then all of a sudden, there's this beautiful canyon and trees and frogs and motorcyclists. I mean, there's just all kinds of beautiful things down there, right? And so we went down in that canyon and we kind of walked around a little bit. And then we're like, well, I guess we need to go home now. I was like, well, let's go, let's go to Longway Home. Let's not go back down I-40. And we end up in this place called Medicine Park. Beautiful little village, you know. I'm just like, and I'd heard about Medicine Park. I'd never been there. Drove through there and I was like, this place is like really cool. They have food, <laughs> you know. It's like this is awesome. So we kind of we we hung out there. We had supper and we, then we went to this. There was this mountain I've been hearing about, named after this guy named Scott, Mount Scott. And so we drive to the top of this mountain and you have to drive around it like 15 times before you get up there, you know. And we're like, haven't we just seen? The, oh, there's Medicine Park again. There's the lake again. You're just driving all the way to the top and you get up there and it's like your eyes are open to the world. Honestly, I was thinking about it. It really reminded me of my time in the Southwest because there are so many places out there that you can pull over and stop and see Grand, Grand Canyon, Canyon Deshay, you know, Monument Valley, all these places I was, I used to see all the time. We went to the top of that mountain and I could see forever. And guys, I want to tell you something that faith that brings belief from God, it opens your eyes to a lot of things. And that's a good thing. We as a church need to have a vision for what God is doing in this community. We ought to have a vision. What, what should be our vision? Probably priority one, what should be our vision as a church? That again? Okay, yeah. What else? Bring glory to God. And, and we do that by preaching the gospel, right? Don't, don't go preaching what Daniel necessarily just says. We preach the gospel of Jesus, the gospel in its entirety. And when our eyes are open, it leads us to that last point. Belief doesn't just come from God. It's not just something that opens our eyes, but I love this part. Belief leads to freedom. I think everybody wants freedom in their life, don't you? Freedom is something we all like desire. We was out there on the sh these flat stretches and people go flying around us. They love their freedom to drive as fast as they could, you know. I drove my LeSabre yesterday, so I was cruising in style. Cars, there's no car payment with that car. I like it. We drove out of the saver. I'm glad it made it, Mom. I didn't know. If it, this is kind of one of the first big trips we've taken in that car. It was, it was my grandfather's car. So, I, you know, it's got like two miles on it because he never drove anywhere. But it's a nice car. It's like a brand new car. It's been setting in storage kind of thing. And, and so we drove it around the state yesterday. And, and as we drove, there was a lot of people, I think, who were just really proud of their vehicles. And... I'm really proud of my vehicle. I'd be more proud if my tinted windows were tinted, you know? I would be, I would be more proud that way. Um, but it's a nice car and it got us where we're going. 
But the thing is, is that we all desire freedom. I, just driving around yesterday, there was this, Oklahoma is such a beautiful place, really. We're on top of Mount Scott and I look and there's a bird. You know, it's like really cool that we're at this point here. You know, we're at the, at this high point where you can see miles and miles away. But I look up above me and there's this, this bird just flying around in a circle. And it's almost like he was taunting me. He's like, ha ha, you're stuck on the ground and here I am. I'm free. Belief leads to freedom. John 8, just a few chapters ago, we were talking. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my true disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How beautiful is that? That the that, that what God has done for us, that that belief that he's given us through faith, that we're able to not just be slaves to sin anymore, but rather we're able to know the truth and that truth has set us free. We're like that bird flying above Mount Scott. Everybody else is stuck down here clamoring on rocks, you know? Which by the way, you can't go anywhere in Oklahoma and not see someone you know. <laughs> the Clements were on top of Mount Scott. What are the odds of that, you know? We're like, we're leaving, we're driving off and I'm like, wait, that looks like Nick and Chris. It is them. It was really cool. But here, belief brings about freedom to us. We, we need to live in that freedom today. That God has given us that ability, that opportunity to live in freedom. Billy Graham said that the core message of the Christian faith is the gospel. Everybody say amen. Jesus Christ rescues us from the slavery of sin and he offers us true freedom in this life and beyond. I know this life is a really good place. It's a beautiful place. I like living, don't you? But this is not all we have. There's a life to come. There, there's eternal life. There's life in a place that's perfect. You know, as, as perfect as yesterday was for, for us to, to see this beautiful sight on top of Mount Scott, it had to end at some point. They got big signs up everywhere. You need to leave before the sun goes down. I'm like, what is that? What do you mean? Why can't we? I thought, to me, I was like, that's like the most beautiful time to be there when the sun was going down, right? But I'm not a rule breaker, so I left. I coasted down the mountain. God has called us to hear his voice today. God has brought you to this house to hear this. Not the words of Daniel, but the words of scripture, the words of what Jesus says. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is here because he wants to bring about redemption for all mankind. He's come to be the light in the world. And because he's the light, today we're able to have belief. We're able to have our eyes opened up and we're able to have freedom. If you're a believer today, you ought to leave your saying, man, I've got a lot given to me. Like, this is really cool. I, I want you to think about this in this light. It's like you were to open your phone up right now and check your bank account. And all of a sudden you've got a whole bunch of money in there. How would you feel? Surprised? Yeah, me too. Um, if you felt surprised, if you felt good, you'd be like, man, I got all this money. Like we're going, we're going to eat good today. We're going to go to Ted's, you know? So we're getting out of this place and we're not eating McDonald's. We're going to Ted's. Spiritually speaking, this is kind of like looking at the truth of the matter today. And the truth of the matter today, church, is we've been blessed. We have freedom. We have sight. We have a belief that only comes from knowing Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And so I want to ask you believers today in this place. Are you remembering that this freedom has been gifted to you? You thought about it? 
I pray this morning you have. You're like, man, I'm going to leave here a little bit happier because I just realized that, <laughs> that God loves me. And he's gifted me with this idea of belief. My eyes are open. I'm able to, to glory in that. We ought to walk away with not just happiness, but we ought to walk away with a sense of urgency to let other people know that there's, there's good stuff to happen. There's good stuff that can happen if they just believe. They just listen to that still small voice in their heart. And unbelievers in this place or unbelievers listening later, guys, I want you to know you can know the freedom of Jesus today. You, you can understand the joy that Mary felt that day, that she was able to gladly give the most expensive thing that she had in her possession as an act of service to her God and her King, Jesus Christ, her Savior to be. Church, I pray that the way we live our lives is in that way. Everything's just, you know what, Jesus, you first. You, you've opened my eyes. You've given me freedom. So I'm going to give you my entire life. I'm going to give you my family. I'm going to give you my finances. I'm going to give you my job. I'm going to give you my town. I'm going to give everything to you because I believe you are the true way. You are the true life. You are that true peace. Today, if we don't know Christ, we know that it's an unsure time. But today, if you don't know Christ, here's what you can know. That if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, if Jesus has been speaking to you through his Holy Spirit today that you need to know Jesus. He says, if you believe and you confess that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And I can't, I can't say it any more clear than that. People want to complicate what salvation is. Here's what I do know is that <laughs> it may be complicated in our terms, but Jesus says, you know what? If you're heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. You need Jesus today? Maybe believers, y'all need to answer some calls or you need to step up and, and be something besides a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> you need to be some, someone who's, who lives in freedom, who flies for Christ, who sees God work in your life, not for your glory, but for his. Here's the thing. Jesus wants us to hear this message today because he wants us to put him first. It's Christ first in our lives. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. For the story Mary. And I pray that we come to you in the same way. We just, we give ourselves to you. We give it all because we know that you are the King of Kings. Lord, today I pray that you would move in hearts. Father, I pray for uh, some ministry opportunities that are coming up this week. Lord, I pray that you would unleash the Holy Spirit in those situations that people might come to know you. Lord, that you would just cause a great revival in our hearts today. Not for our glory, but for the glory of your kingdom the glory of you. God, I give these words to you today. May, may you, you speak to hearts in ways that I can. Lord, I pray that your words will go and do what they were intended to do. In your most holy name, amen.